Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite pieces of media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be comparing notes on Cha Cha Real Smooth and Independence Day. Warning spoilers ahead. Hi! Hey, how's it going? <laughs> It's good. It's good. I'm excited. This is our second recording in the last two days um, because we are making up as I will be um, gone on vacation next week. So yeah, I've got that good day two podcast energy going and I'm feeling really excited about my pick for today. Oh, I'm excited (laughs) for your pick for today. Wow. What a fucking classic what a pick i know usually this is like the time where we would talk about any updates in the last week but we literally just recorded yesterday um so do you have any anything that changed in the last 24 hours oh man i mean my distaste for bureaucracy knows no bounds Uh, (laughs) that's something I thought about a lot today Uh and not unrelatedly I just thought about you know taking to the woods and withdrawing from society for a lot of today as well which is a thing I think about a lot (laughs) um I did have a very fun conversation (laughs) earlier this evening where I um finally might have had a conversation with my partner will about the fact that we have a podcast (laughs) how did it come up oh boy i got caught red-handed i (laughs) i was um getting ready to cram for uh, the discussion of the movie i'll be talking about because i needed to rewatch it Mm because i only saw it once it's been a few weeks And I was sitting in front of the monitor I was going to watch it on with my decomposition notebook. Mm -hmm. And he was getting ready to go to sleep and do his nighttime routine because I I, I wait to record (laughs) when he goes to sleep. Uh (laughs) Um, And he saw my notebook out and he's like, oh, what's in that notebook? And I was like... Oh, you know, just notes for me, notes for me and my thoughts. <laughs> He's like, could I see it? And I was like, no, that's my notes. <laughs> and he's like, just let me see one page. <laughs> I was like, no, those are my secret notes. <laughs> and he was like, well, no, I really have to see it. And, um... I felt bad, so I was like, okay, well, it's my podcast notes (laughs) for my podcast I have with Kat. (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? And then I explained to him the podcast and the premise, and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I was like, you think I'm stupid? (laughs) And he was like, no, of course not. I think this is great. Oh Yeah, and I was like, oh, wow, I don't know why I was so afraid to tell him. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking that for a minute. <laughs> I talked to my partner, uh, Scott, and uh, I was like, oh, well, we, like, recorded a specific time because <laughs> Remy doesn't want Will to know <laughs> about the podcast uh, for some reason. 
And yeah. he was like, why? And I was like, I don't ask. I just kind of uh, vibe with it and let her do her thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just a part of my nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's why I relate to Jim on Our Flag so mm. much, because we both really value secrecy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't keep anything a secret. You tell Scott everything. Yep. <laughs> I feel like we're two extremes of a spectrum. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> But yeah, no, it went well. It went much better than expected. Good. I, I knew it just would because go well. I know. I just imagine, you know, weird stuff. Like yeah. um, people thinking I'm dumb all the time. It's like that sort of thing. That's something that I felt a lot. Like when we first started, the more I do it and the more rewarding it gets for me, I think the less I'm like tied to other people's notions because it's just something that brings me a lot of happiness to be a part of so yeah if no one ever listens to it at least it brought me happiness you know yeah i know and i like listening to it Mm -hmm. you um edit the episodes and then upload them to our shared folder and Mm -hmm. i love listening back to them (laughs) even though i was already there the first time yeah because i don't know i i enjoy talking to you so much that i even enjoy listening to me talking to you and then it's like this little diary i have of like things that you and i like and it's just fun i don't know it feels very much like a diary to me it's just an audio diary about tv and movies which is you know, I love that shit, so. Yeah, and it's got such a positive tone to it. Like, we're just talking about things that we really are enjoying and things that are making us happy. Yeah, and it also helps me enjoy things more. Not just because I need to process exactly why mm-hmm. I like them, but there's just something about sharing a reaction to something that I really yeah. enjoy. Like, that's why I watch other people's analyses of things, mm-hmm. or that's why I get really excited when you've seen what I, when I'm excited yeah. about, or when Will sees something, or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So the the sharing aspect is really fun. Yeah. I'm really excited. I picked up those books, or, well, I picked up um, All Systems Red. Oh, do you want with that rec? Yes, I did. Awesome. Um, So for context, my one year anniversary with my husband is coming up and I have been having a really hard time figuring out what to share with him because a lot of our wants and desires are just like to share experiences with one another and Mm -hmm. um So we're going on vacation together, and so I frantically texted Remy while I was in Barnes & Noble the other day, (laughs) and I was like, do you have any recommendations that I could, like, buy a couple copies of this book, and we could read it on our vacation together, and I think that would be really nice. Remy very kindly texted me immediately back with some really good recommendations, so I'm really excited uh, to read those over vacation yeah i hope you like them um after we had that text conversation i actually added all systems read onto my list Mm. of topics that i might cover so that would be cool if you if you and scott read that it's um there's 
fun things to talk about with that series. I'm so excited for, like, dedicated reading time. Yeah. On the lake. Yeah. I have a book right now that I'm really enjoying. God, reading on a lake? Holy shit. I know. That's the I'm so excited. best shit in the world. Oh, my God. That's, like, a big part of my Take to the Woods plan. Yes. It's, like, a lake. <laughs> moving to a cabin by a lake and doing lots of reading. Do it. Uh, it's going to be... Reading very and writing. Walden, very Walden Pond, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, man. That's the dream. Well, yeah. Nothing new with me in the last 24 hours. I, um, <laughs> I have vacationitis so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're, we're pushing through. I'm super excited. I've decided to take my computer with come hell or high water. Oh, um, yeah. If it falls apart, it falls apart. Uh, I've got to edit these eps, so I'm really excited. I'm excited to hear them. All right, you want to kick, get this kicked off? I'm up first today. Yes, you are. And I'm going to be talking about the very recent movie, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. This is a 2022 film that came out on Apple TV+. Plus. That's where I viewed it. And... It's, it's funny. It's the thematic elements that I like about this movie are kind of really germane to what we've already been speaking about. So I'm happy that this is already converging. Mm -hmm. But the background information on this film is that it's written, directed, and starred in by Cooper Rafe. I think that's how you say his last name, R-A-I-F-F. This is his second film, and he seems really talented. I'm always interested in a piece of media that's kind of like one person's vision, and they wear many hats. I Mm -hmm. think it's fascinating to see something like a film where one person has so much control over the product. And this is sort of a coming-of-age sort of movie, uh, but in a post-college years Mm -hmm. era. So Mm -hmm. a little bit later coming-of-age than what you might typically think of uh, as a coming-of-age film. Normally I think of teens or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, human development is long and evolving, ever-evolving. So I think it's completely appropriate to have the same sort of questions when you're just out of undergrad and you're trying to think about the person you want to be and the work you want to do and how those two things are or are not related. Yeah. And the stakes are higher, definitely, Mm -hmm. when you're, like, actually trying to form adult relationships and like have a stable life like Mm -hmm. you have less of a support system and like your family and stuff like that which I think is interesting yeah it's funny you bring that up because I was struck by how big family plays a role in this Mm -hmm. because I think it's becoming fairly common for people in the U.S. now to move back home for a bit of time after college. I know my brother did that 
and that's what Cooper's character in the film does. In the film, his name is Andrew. I'll probably call him either Cooper or Andrew. He's the main character, and he's graduated from Tulane and moved back home to New Jersey to live with his mom and his stepdad and I believe his half-brother. His little brother is like 13, 14-ish, and... His mom is played by Leslie Mann. (laughs) They live in his stepdad Greg's house. And Andrew kind of has a semi-adversarial relationship with his stepdad Greg. Mm -hmm. But he has a really, really sweet relationship with his mom. And also a very, very sweet relationship with his younger brother. And I think those relationships are... Two of the things that really made this movie stick out to me and sort of stick in my head afterwards. Um, I kind of just watched this movie as, um, you know, one of those movies you go into and I watched the trailer. I was like, this appears to be lighthearted, like more Mm -hmm. of a, a heartfelt comedy type of movie and sometimes you're just in the mood for something that is not going to be very heavy Mm -hmm. and so I went in with like almost no expectations and I think with that approach I was pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. so basically you watch Andrew back home with his family and he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life he has um a service industry job at like hot dog on a stick And hates that, obviously. (laughs) But he gets involved in the, like, party-starting business because Mm. his little brother David is, like, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah age. And so he's going to all of these parties every week. Uh And, um, like, a party starter for that sort of event is a a thing that people do. Mm -hmm. And Andrew's really outgoing and... knows all these people and he really easily kind of takes to that role so all the moms hire him to be their party starters (laughs) and stuff like that so he starts doing that as some work and while he's doing that he meets this younger single mom and her daughter who goes to school with you know his younger brother and He kind of gets, I don't know how to describe it, he becomes friends with them and sort of forms this really meaningful intimacy with their family. Mm -hmm. And the daughter, her name's Lola, she's played by Vanessa Burghart, and the mom is uh, Dakota Johnson. Um, Oh, yeah. you You know her, she's cool. And... She is a single mom, but is engaged to this guy that's, like, not around very much. Mm -hmm. And so she needs a sitter for Lola sometimes because Lola is on the autism spectrum. And so she just likes to have someone with her when she's out and when the fiancé is working out of town and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so the main character, Andrew... He's really good. Uh, They like the way that he interacts with Lola because he treats her like an adult and just has really good 
social interaction skills with her, basically. So he, he forms, like, a really strong bond with them. And so that sitter job also becomes one of his sort of um, types of work that he's exploring. But he becomes kind of, like, infatuated with Dakota Johnson's character. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, a an emotional element as well. And basically throughout the course of the story, you're just watching him trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And at the same time, his little brother David is like asking him advice about all of these things. And he is like making up advice for him on the fly and that sort of thing. And he's trying to, he kind of moves away from his central relationship his central romantic relationship that he had in college Mm -hmm. because it seemed like that was kind of one of the main ways he was constructing his identity. Mm -hmm. And now that that relationship no longer seems viable, he, I think that's sort of another reason why he's having an identity crisis. And so Mm -hmm. he's basically working through all of these things throughout the film. And I, like seeing his approach to working on these really big questions because it essentially is him like trying different things, trying different jobs, interacting with different people, meeting new people and having conversations. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of the way he works through everything. And they just kind of explore a lot of really interesting ideas. There was one conversation that he has with this girl that he's, like, sort of dating. And they sleep together, and then they're kind of just talking about life. And she's talking about how she hates her job and how he hates, like, working at Hot Dog on a Stick and just basically how they both hate their jobs. Mm -hmm. And he is asking her whether she thinks he should keep doing the party starting business because it seems like silly and kind of like a job you might not want to tell people about because it's a silly thing to do. And she basically says, well, when you think about it, like all jobs are silly because it's a really silly idea that a job is you selling your time and the concept of you selling your time and selling your life is fundamentally insane so (laughs) to call one job silly and another job not silly Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was really interesting um I know this is a recurring theme (laughs) that I bring up a lot about devaluing your work identity in favor of a more diverse multifaceted nature of your identity Mm -hmm. and the idea of selling your time being the definition of a job really struck me, even though that might be obvious to other people. I've never heard it described that way. Yeah. I was like, Hmm, that's something, that's something I thought about for weeks afterwards Mm. of like, is, is the job that I'm doing right now worth me selling years of my life? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really valuable litmus test for whether you want to be doing your job. And I think that 
it's it's just an important question to consider. Like, if your job is a means to support you doing something more fulfilling, I think that's totally fine. There's, like, nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that whatsoever. Like, your job doesn't need to be your main thing, especially if it's just there to allow you to do what you really like. Mm-hmm. But I think if you doing your job is preventing you from doing things you like, that's more of the issue. And that's more of the thing that I'm trying to avoid and trying to reconfigure things so that I'm not preventing myself from having fulfillment in the most important aspects of my life. Yeah. So that was really cool. I really liked having that to think about for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the other parts of the film that I really liked is the main character, Andrew. He's interacting with all of these people and trying to work through all of these quandaries, essentially. But at the same time, the way that he converses with people like his mom or with Dakota Johnson's character, he often says things about what he's feeling or thinking in a very direct way Mm -hmm. that I'm just not used to seeing in real life. Mm -hmm. And there was something really not exactly refreshing about it but kind of aspirational in a way (laughs) because I can be you know guarded and favor secrecy and not want to (laughs) actually say what I feel whether Mm -hmm. it's because I'm worried about looking silly or being judged or something like that Mm -hmm. seeing a person actually say what they're thinking and actually say what they're feeling and not being not letting that make them afraid to express themselves is like an aspirational thing that I like to see yeah. because that requires so much vulnerability mm-hmm. and I really admire that it allows him to have really like touching conversations with these different characters um there's a really notable conversation he has with his mom near the end of the film where he basically tells her that um, he's been walking by their childhood home, his childhood home, mm-hmm. and it makes him think about his childhood and how, I, I wish I could summarize it better, but basically he just thanks her for giving him like a really great childhood and being <laughs> a great mom and stuff. And it was just so nice and like open and vulnerable and honest and I, I don't know why it struck me as so different, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that approach to storytelling, and yeah. I think that really, like, complete vulnerability, examples of that, they're not easy to find, but I I enjoy seeing them play out on screen. I think that in a lot of films that are, like, focusing on interpersonal relationships, that creates drama when a person is secretive about something or is withholding information from the people that they're close to. But I think you have correctly identified that it's refreshing to have that not drive the plot. Mm -hmm. It's nice when it's not the same old character conflict that you typically see where like someone is keeping a secret and you know everyone's gonna find out about it Mm -hmm. and it's gonna like explode in their face yeah and of course there is conflict but they 
they they have the conflicts and then the main character goes back and apologizes mm-hmm. and it's like yeah i was in a bad place and i didn't mean those things here's what i really mean and just fucking actually says words to resolve yeah. to resolve a conflict that's great yeah. yeah so i i think it's definitely worth a watch i mean it's not the most groundbreaking film in history but I really enjoyed it and I was just very surprised with the genuine nature of it and how mm-hmm. it really impacted me and I um I really liked it it sounds really wholesome and lighthearted. I just think that like there there aren't enough examples of people doing things right in media like mm-hmm. there aren't enough models for like this is how healthy relationships and like this is how you apologize when you've done something wrong. Like we don't get to see enough of that in media and people learn so much like about society from the content that they consume. Big time. When people demonstrate accountability, that mm-hmm. always sticks out to me yeah. because I agree. I think it it can be really rare. And when someone holds themselves accountable and owns up to their shit like that mm-hmm. is something that endears a character to me yeah almost immediately and especially in instances where people don't even necessarily know they did something wrong until mm-hmm. someone tells them like oh when you did yes. that i actually felt like shit and that's another iteration where people not only are are then you know hold themselves accountable but they also respect uh, another person's experience yeah it's cool it's a cool movie it's an easy watch well i mean there's heavy topics too definitely but um i like the way it handles those heavy and sensitive topics yeah so today i am talking about the film independence day um (laughs) (laughs) i'm very excited to talk about this film So it originally was released in 1996. It stars a lot of really famous (laughs) names. So it's got Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, and Will Smith um, are like the three main leads. And so I watched this movie because it was just the 4th of July Mm -hmm. and it is definitely a really good 4th of July movie. Yeah, it it definitely fits into one of my favorite uh, niches in films mm-hmm. because I just think 80s and 90s adventure films are the shit. I don't I don't think I can name a modern movie that like has the same kind of rewatchability and mm-hmm. good vibes as something like um, this movie, Jurassic Park, Alien. Which was 1979. You like Twister, too. Right? I do like Twister. That's this, on my list. <laughs> I feel like this is your, like, 90s disaster yeah. type niche. Is How would you describe it? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just call them, like, adventure movies, I feel like. like yeah. But, yeah, they, they do kind of tend to focus around, like, a, a disaster Right, because they do make disaster movies now, but they're totally different from this. And they don't have um, the same, like, vibe. No, you're totally right. Like, I think disaster movie is not the right way to explain them. I have a hot take. I have a spicy take on film. 
<laughs> and I think the reason I don't tend to like watching movies as much as I like watching like a lighthearted uh, TV show or something is that movies are trying very, very, very hard to mean something. And I think that there is also value in a movie that doesn't really mean much. Like, mm -hmm. it's just a good story. And all of those movies are very light on themes. They're very light. Like, obviously, there are, like, wholesome themes that run throughout. But it's not, like, trying to mean something very deep. Right. Um, unlike something like Tenet or Inception or uh, I don't know, like these kind of really great action movies that are like critically acclaimed, mm -hmm. but they just don't they don't make that leap for me. I just don't tend to like them very mm -hmm. much. I really like a movie that I can rewatch and know exactly what's going to happen and know the emotions I'm going to feel. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think there are times when we could just try a little less hard. No, I definitely agree um, that you don't always, or I guess I should just speak for myself, I don't always want to watch a film that is, you know, working on three different levels of analysis, mm -hmm. even though I love films like that. And I yeah. do like, I like to put in the legwork for that type of thing. I find mm -hmm. that rewarding. But sometimes I do just want to pop something on and be like, I don't want to work that hard for this. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like how I went into the movie that I just described. Like, I was yeah. like, I know this is going to be mostly interpersonal. And it's not going to be that intense of a mm -hmm. of a watch i'm just i'm certain there has to be examples of modern yeah. versions of this i just can't think of them right now but i'm so certain these movies exist yeah i don't know and and the and the caveat being that they are very very good movies mm -hmm. what about something like a bone tomahawk like there's Tomahawk is fantastic. Yeah. And I would just that one yeah. plot. It's all about this one rescue mission. Yeah. And it's it's like just can't be enough that like I it it does scratch the itch. I feel like there's also a campiness to a lot of the movies that I really like. You do love camp, I think. I do. But yeah, I don't know. Like if it's something that I want to like come back to a lot. Mm-hmm. Die Hard fits in this category for me. I really like that's uh, Scott's favorite Christmas movie. So we watch that every Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just really love this specific era and type of movie. I just think that they they work really, really well. I feel like this is what people mean when they say it's a popcorn movie. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess I never really thought about it like that. Like, it's a great theater movie. Like, you're excited mm -hmm. to go to the theater. It's a spectacle. It's more spectacle than a deep, meaningful yeah. cinema. I feel like that's fair. But, yeah, I just feel like I feel so many things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, when I watch a movie, I'm, like, really hesitant to get myself into something that's going to make me, like, feel a lot of things. Like, I had to be in the right headspace to watch something like The Joker or Marriage Story oh. or oh, yeah. things like that. 
I won't watch those because I know it's going to be just bad feelings the whole time. Ooh. Speaking of Adam Driver, though, I really did like um, Logan Lucky. That one has, like, a lot of rewatchability for me, I would say. Sure. It's like a kind of heisty movie. It is. It's exactly a heist. Ooh. Did you ever watch the one about magic heists? Mm Mm-hmm. That had Jesse Eisenberg and... Now You See Me? Yes. That is... I would put that in a, like, rewatchable category for me. I really love magic, and I really (laughs) like heists. (laughs) I didn't know you love magic. Wow, this is breaking news. Okay. Um. Wow. Yeah. I. Cat love, loves magic. I love magic. I love the tricks. <laughs> so good. Um. Anyways. Uh. <laughs> Do you like National Treasure? I love National Treasure, but that's still like so early two thousand. Yes. Yeah, I loved National Treasure as a kid. Yeah, I think that definitely fits what you're describing. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, they definitely exist. Um, but I just feel like they're less common now and they don't hit the same. What about like a Fast and Furious? Mm, I have never watched a Fast and Furious. Me neither. Could be good. Maybe I'd be really into it. You should give it a shot. Maybe. But I also think that that's why I really find TV shows rewarding is because it's a lot easier for me to find a really lighthearted but still, like, satisfying TV show than the same vibes in a movie that I, like, have the same rewatchability for, you know? Yeah. Not in terms of, like, the content, but in terms of, like, the emotions that I'm experiencing while I watch it, I find that's easier to find in a TV show. Do you think that's because of the history of like sitcoms being such a huge chunk of tv for so long yeah but yeah all right anyway (laughs) that was uh what a preamble (laughs) yeah it was a preamble but yeah this is definitely like a really good genre of movies for me i find myself coming back to them a lot and they give me a lot of satisfaction so if you've never seen independence day Pause this podcast and go watch. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. Um, I'll give you a brief synopsis. So Independence Day centers around a alien invasion that's happening on Earth. And on July 2nd, we start seeing these weird spaceships um, entering the Earth's atmosphere and starting to hover over important buildings in important cities. So I think the first cities that we see the spaceships gravitating towards is like New York City, LA. New York City and LA are like the main two because that's Mm -hmm. like where our main characters are. But it's across the globe, right? There's like Sydney and Paris and... A city in Russia. Just major Mm -hmm. metropolitan areas. Yeah. So this is happening all around the world, but we're focused mostly on the American experience of this invasion. So Bill Pullman plays the U.S. President (laughs) Thomas Whitmore um, and is great. Uh, He's great. Yeah, I really like his uh, whole vibe. Um, We'll get into that. Okay. Um, Should I save my comments on Bill Pullman for later? (laughs) Finish your synopsis. We can have 
Bill Pullman. He can have his own corner. So, so yeah, Bill Pullman is obviously the U.S. president trying to deal with the crisis. And he has a, she's a White House staffer. Her name's Constance. And she advises him. So she's hanging around the president. And then there is her ex-husband is highly involved in the plot. His name is David. He's played by Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> who is the snack central. What a dream. Honestly, Jesus a dream. Christ. I love Jeff Goldblum in this movie. He is basically a person who got a degree at MIT, decided that they didn't want to do that, and they work at a cable company now and, like, set up people's cable that's the dream it's kind of like an undercurrent that he's like not ambitious and not like seizing his full potential but he's basically the first one to kind of pick up on this alien invasion they have a code that they're running through the satellites that is essentially a countdown and once you realize that they're not friendly. There is a countdown to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're hovering over our major hubs in America and across the globe. Like, that puts the situation into perspective. So Jeff Goldblum realizes this. He uh, gets his dad and they drive. His dad. To, his dad I oh know. His God. dad is such a gem. And they Why drive prepare? to the White House. And... They could just fucking stroll into the White House, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, But Jeff Goldblum, David, goes to the White House to collect his ex-wife, who he is very much still in love with, and also tell the president, hey, the aliens are counting down (laughs) to uh, something, and it's very spooky. And so Jeff Goldblum kind of becomes a consultant and just gets to hang out with the president all the time. And then the third main character of this movie is Will Smith, who plays Captain Stephen Hiller. He is a U.S. Marine pilot. And basically this trio, Will Smith ends up with the president. This trio has to protect America. They have to come up with a game plan to figure out how to save the world. I mean, could you pick a better team, though? Getting into more about the things that I liked about this movie, um, I really liked the wholesome view of the American government in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like um, this movie highlights the American government in uh, a way that you don't often see in media. I feel like... There's oftentimes, like, a lot of distrust and anti-government themes um, with, like, Bill Pullman as the president. Like, it's he's just, like, a really good guy, and he wants to, like, prevent loss of life and save the world. Like, he really does feel a lot of emotions. He's very human. It's, like, a very human representation of what a president would be feeling in a crisis like this, and I really like that. I also really loved the way that they introduced Bill Pullman's character because they don't introduce him to you immediately as the president. Mm-hmm. He is on a phone call with the first lady and um, 
And like, it's just like this really cute interaction and you, you just see this guy and you think he's just a man. And I think that that's such an interesting way to introduce that character as opposed to introducing him as like the president, because it kind of sets the tone for what his priorities are and what he cares about and the kind of person he is. And I just think that it was like a really good introduction of his character. Mm -hmm. This movie, I think I really liked it because it has a lot of very wholesome vibes. Like all of the character interactions are really wholesome and the true enemy is the aliens and there's very little interpersonal conflict in this movie. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really effective form of storytelling to frame the US president as a, a member of a family first mm-hmm. who happens to be also the leader of this country and yeah. you don't see him as this sort of interchangeable guy in a suit that sits behind a desk in the Oval Office, which is often how the president is portrayed in, you know, these types of movies. Mm -hmm. So I do agree. It is, it's nice that they humanize the president during, Mm -hmm. I think during a time when it seemed like, you know, I don't know. I think people had a different relationship with the U.S. government in the 90s than they Mm -hmm. do now. And yeah, it was more, I don't know, it just speaks to it being a kind of a more, not like a simpler time, like that's too much of a, a simplified way to say it, but I think it like shows the American ideals, though, like mm-hmm. what the presidency should be. Yes, um, it is what it should be. Yeah. yeah. And I think that way back when, <laughs> we really thought that like, the presidency could be that. And Mm -hmm. I think that in recent years, things have really gone off the tracks and we've kind of lost that ideal. I just really liked it. I thought it was like a very interesting and different portrayal of a president. It's showing you his conversations with his advisors, him struggling to know what the right strategy is. And Mm -hmm. um, I just think that it more realistically portrays the struggles of an American president and how they are receiving so much input from a lot of different sources and they have to have their own filter of who is right and who is wrong and I've got to make these big decisions about whether or not I should nuke the spaceship and potentially create a nuclear winter, which they do. They nuke a spaceship and it doesn't work. But yeah, I just think like not only is this a really wholesome view of the American government, but it's also a very wholesome view of the relationships that people are in, whether that be romantic or non-romantic. There are three extremely good romantic relationships And also, like, really good family relationships. I felt like Jeff Goldblum's interactions with his father really stood out to me because seeing an adult parental relationship that is, like, loving and wholesome in that way is very sweet and compelling for me because I think it's very easy to put together, like, a very sweet, wholesome father-son 
storyline where the son is like eight or whatever Mm -hmm. um but like seeing how those relationships grow and change as you age is really lovely and i love jeff goldblum's dad um julius julius (laughs) and he loves his son so much and wants him to like be happy and fulfilled and reach his true potential he like wants his son to like heal and move on with his life he notes that jeff goldblum is wearing his wedding ring and it's been three years since the divorce and he just says you gotta move on you gotta live your life and that's that's good fatherly advice you know but yeah i just feel like there were lots of moments in this movie that made me smile um and they also hit emotional beats extremely well like this movie made me beam and it made me absolutely ugly cry like i there yeah oh for added context i watched this movie as like a child and i did not remember any of it so this was basically my first time as an adult watching this movie Mm -hmm. um and uh when the first lady dies um she basically gets injured in the la attack and she gets found by will smith's girlfriend um who he is like about to propose to and Mm -hmm. she has a son and this woman is amazing she's like so strong and so brave Mm -hmm. and basically her profession is exotic dancing and i think that that um it puts a preconceived notion in characters heads of like what she is capable of one of um the most important scenes with will smith is that he's trying to get into NASA and he keeps getting rejected. And his friend says, like, you'll never get into NASA if you marry a stripper. Like, mm-hmm. that just won't happen for you. And so Will Smith is, like, trying to choose between his career and this woman who he cares about deeply. And this woman, like, escapes the L.A. attack. She kicks down a door and hides from the explosion in a tunnel. And then she finds a semi and, like, picks up a bunch of wounded people and puts them on the back of this truck and tries to get them to safety. And that's not even talked about. That's just, like, everything that you're just, like, looking at. And Mm -hmm. it's so cool. Like, I love her. While protecting her son and the family dog. Yes. I know. (laughs) On my list of emotional beats that were so well done in this movie is that the most stressful moment is when LA is being attacked and the dog is still sitting in the car and she calls for the dog and you see the dog like jump out of the car and like run across the cars and barely make it to the tunnel where they're hiding. Mm -hmm. I was about to cry if that dog didn't make it. That's an iconic moment from this film. Oh my god. I haven't seen it in a couple years. I did something very similar where I, you know, it was seemed ubiquitous mm-hmm. as a child in America, but then didn't watch it until a couple years ago as an yeah. adult. And I was like, wow, what a film. <laughs> yeah. Love the part with the dog. Yeah. Ah, uh, what a good dog, too. But another, like, emotional part that I'd like to touch on is Randy Quaid's character, um, Russell. Basically, there is this family out towards LA. They're on the West Coast. And it is 
this brother, sister, and their dad. And their dad is like a, I think, a nom vet. Um, and he is like a drunk and just kind of incompetent at his job. He dusts crops because he has prior experience flying planes right. in the war. And he, like, dusts the wrong crops. <laughs> like, he oh, does no. his job wrong all the time. And he's, like, flying drunk. Um, And it's, like, clear that his kids are, like, embarrassed of him. And it's such, like, a story of redemption and forgiveness and pride. Because Randy Quaid's character basically saves everybody in the end. Because they basically, like, run out of missiles to shoot once the shields are down on the alien crafts. And his final missile gets like stuck and he cannot fire it and he flies his plane into the spaceship's weak spot and basically sacrifices himself in order to blow up this huge spaceship and he's got like a picture of his kids like in the plane with him and it's like so emotional and there's like this really good moment where like everyone at the base is celebrating and the kid has just like witnessed his father sacrifice himself and someone like turns to him and says like what your dad did was like really brave you should be really proud of him and the kid's like I am and it's just like ah it makes me tear up it's Mm -hmm. just like such a well done moment because you just see this kid like in a room of people that are like cheering at this person's like bravery and the sacrifice that was just made to like defeat the aliens and it's just like a really good moment i really liked that but yeah i thought like the range of fathers that you get to see in this Mm -hmm. film is like really cool because you get to see like this story of redemption with russell and you get to see uh will smith interact with jasmine's son that's which is really sweet Mm -hmm. and like he is like the sun is so sweet and um will smith says like i told you there'd be fireworks when they blew up all those aliens and it's like so (laughs) cute (laughs) and bill pullman with his daughter is like very wholesome and when his wife dies he has to kind of figure out how to talk to his daughter about that and he doesn't end up really talking to her about it just because it's like really hard for him to process and function Mm -hmm. as the president so he ends up just saying like yeah she's asleep or something Mm -hmm. um and like makes me cry like i was like ugly crying at that part um Like, it was the kind of crying that is cathartic as a... Sure. Yeah, I thought that, like, they just really hit the emotional beats really well. I have a category in my notes for shit that was fucking wild. (laughs) Um, They let the president get in a plane and fight the aliens. Oh my god, I was like, can we please talk about how Bill Pullman flies a plane in, like, the final battle. That's patently insane. I love that he does it. I love it. I no, love it. I love it when not. he gets in that Get plane. Get him back on the ground. I absolutely. He love is it. the president. He looks he great. He has a daughter. He kills it. <laughs> I love it. Um, Will Smith's friend that, like, dies in the first oh, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, that guy needed to die because he just kept calling Will Smith Big Daddy, and it happened <gasps> oh, like 10 God. times in five minutes. And I said to Scott, I was like, if. 
this man, we've got to turn off this movie. If this man says Big Daddy one more time, I cannot do this. Amazing. Oh, that's like the only moment I was like, I cannot. I cannot handle this character anymore. Um, Also, I don't know how to say his last name, but uh, Brent Spinner is how I've always said it. I don't know if it's Spiner. Um, But he is the actor that plays Data on The Next Generation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and is also in the Masters of Disguise. Um, he is in this movie as the Area 51 scientist, um, with the long hair. And the alien uses him as a puppet. And I felt very uncomfortable with that. Um, it, like, holds him up and, like, manipulates his throat to make him talk. Oh, no. And he's dead and it was really spooky. Oh, no. (laughs) But they, like, don't have vocal cords, so they couldn't communicate. Mm-hmm. In a way that humans would understand, really. But yeah, that movie was very satisfying for me to watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it will be my new 4th of July tradition uh, to watch yeah. that. It's just so retro Americana. Very yeah. 90s action. Very... It's, it's something. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like nostalgic... Mm-hmm. Very 90s nostalgia type deal, for sure. Yeah. Wow. What a cast. Yeah. It is currently streaming on Hulu. If you feel like checking it out as a grown-up, <laughs> it's fun. Can I say my favorite part? <laughs> yes. I'm very curious what your favorite part is. <laughs> yeah, because you told me yesterday you were going to cover Independence Day, and my first reaction, of course, was, oh my god, peak Bill Pullman. I mean, yes. I'm... A huge Bill Pullman fan. He's such a long-running snack. He's amazing in everything. I love him very much. He's a great president. Mm -hmm. But I would have (laughs) to say, when I think of this movie... Bill Pullman for president. (laughs) Forever. 2024. Oh my god, I love Bill Pullman. He's precious. But the the best part of this movie, and maybe of most movies it might be Mm -hmm. one of the best movie moments (laughs) in history yeah (laughs) this is when will smith punches the alien and says welcome to earth (laughs) (laughs) oh my god welcome to earth welcome to earth what yeah what a line what a moment has such a fantastic comedic presence I also love when Will Smith and uh, Jeff Goldblum are stuck in the alien spaceship and they cannot get back out. Oh my god. Um, When they team up, it's so satisfying. I know. Because you're watching these different storylines converge because originally those three main leads are in disparate Mm -hmm. places and as things progress, they converge and start working together in person and it's just beautiful to see. Yeah. And they make such a good, mm-hmm. funny team. Their energy. Like, oh. Honestly, Will Smith doesn't get as much screen time. At, like, despite his character being one of the more memorable characters uh, yeah. in this film, mm-hmm. he does not get very much screen time. That's so weird. Um, like, in my memory, he's the mm-hmm. star of the film. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what Scott said uh, the other day. He was like, I was shocked at how much I thought Will Smith was in that movie, and he is not in it very much. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely, like, a lead, but he's not in it nearly as much as um, the president or Jeff Goldblum. Area 51 was cool. 
Jeff Goldblum fixes a spaceship that was not working overnight. Like, he just all of a sudden has a working spaceship, Mm -hmm. um, which was unrealistic at best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should we do our overlap? Yeah, I guess so. I was just, like, sitting in contentment of, like, how much I liked that movie. Um, Yes. Yeah. Overlap. Tell me. Okay, I have a couple that I was thinking about while you were speaking. (laughs) One of them is, so, they're kind of interrelated, but hear me out. So, (laughs) when I was describing what I liked about Andrew, the main character from Cha-Cha Real Smooth, he approaches his interpersonal relationships from a place of, like, open honesty and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I find that, I found that very aspirational. And when you were describing what you liked about the portrayal of the U.S. government, specifically as led by Bill Pullman Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Independence Day, to me, I interpreted that as, like, you enjoy that and you find it wholesome because it is an aspirational yes. interpretation of what the U.S. government could be if it was actually fulfilling the mm-hmm. ideals with which, like, it was designed to yeah. function. And if Bill Pullman was president, then it would actually function the way we want it to work. Yes. With He's people got so much that experience. actual humanity and yeah. think things through and their decision making and uh, yeah I think both of those elements were rather aspirational and yeah that's something I thought was good another commonality that is very pleasing is that there are very lovely adult parent relationships mm-hmm. um Andrew and his mom's relationship throughout uh, the movie I liked was very sweet and it was very much an adult relationship where they are sort of reciprocating advice um she's giving him advice about you know you should do things because you want to do them not because this girl you like is doing it or like I really want you to you know come into your own and become who you are and in turn like they talk about you know struggles with mental illness and very adult topics and you brought up Jeff Goldblum and his father Julius and just how fucking sweet they are yeah and what a beautiful father-son adult relationship they have and uh, I think that's a great parallel I I also enjoy when we see just really close and fulfilling uh, parent-child relationships well into adulthood. That's so sweet. Yeah, I really love the scene with Jeff Goldblum and his dad. No, <laughs> David and his dad. <laughs> I know Julius. what you mean. Um, and basically Jeff Goldblum is having this like crisis where he's like, we're all going to die. And like he goes and gets drunk and um, – his father says, like, this happens to everybody. Like, we all lose faith. And, like, I haven't talked to God in a really long time. And, like, they just, like, have this, like, really open, vulnerable conversation. And it leads to Jeff Goldblum getting inspired and fixing the entire ship and, like, figuring out 
the way to save everyone and like bring down their shields and stuff. And yeah, it's just a really good like pairing. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, the family relationships were definitely a parallel that I was going to bring up. Um, and like the wholesome interpersonal relationships. I have one fun quick comparison. Yeah, I didn't bring this up because I didn't want to give it away, but I think it's such a good Venn diagram that I do want to bring it up. At the end of Cha Cha Real Smooth, Stepdad Greg does a really good punch. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very satisfying, and it's a really good redemptive moment for his character. (laughs) And I just think that's a really great parallel with the Will Smith doing his really good punch (laughs) to the alien. When he says the classic line, welcome to Earth. Just two really good punches. Oh, man. In these films. (laughs) I need another Will Smith alien movie, please. And thank you. Please make more. Lots of alien IP for him. It's perfect. It's great. I just love wholesome things. So seems like these are two like wholesome, wholesome vibes. Indeed. Feel good watches. What? I don't know. I'm still thinking about that dog. (laughs) He's so brave. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.